Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to the AEW Dynamite Preview. I'm Michael Sidgwick, joined by fellow Dadly Boy Michael Hamflit to discuss everything that's in store for us on tonight's show. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure to subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. We preview and review Dynamite and Rampage, WWE Monday Night Raw, SmackDown, NXT, Dubois, oh! pay-per-views, premium live events. <laughs> Uh, we have wrestler <laughs> interviews, we hold roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. But Hamlet, how hyped are you for AEW Dynamite tonight? Medium hyped. We were having a nice conversation about what should be a nice episode in the office before we hit record, because we're nerds and we love this stuff more than just when we're in front of a microphone. Um, there are elements of this, regardless of how the show is going to play out, that should fill us with joy. The site of Daly's Place, um, hosting a Dynamite, obviously, in Jacksonville before they go to Orlando for the pay-per-view. Every normal Daily's Place is a reminder of the abnormal Daily's Place and the fact that we're not in the darkest timeline is enough. The fact that Andy Murray brought up wisely that AEW are not the hottest go-home show, those two things coming together, I think tonight is the night where we just get all of the good because I think they've assembled quite a nice card as well for this Jacksonville crowd for this better timeline dynamite I'm, I'm game for this I'm absolutely game for this just a note on Daly's Place as well it does have a certain magic to it that's completely and utterly organic I do love the idea of them returning to it even when they do a mid show at Daly's Place which they've kind of done post Double or Nothing 2021 mm. on more than one occasion the, the dreaded Saturday run <laughs> yeah the dreaded Saturday run uh, they did a holiday themed show over Christmas yeah. um, that when, it, when it's hot, it's hot. I just love the backdrop, I love the magic, I love the sentiment, the romance behind the building, the aesthetic, the feel, everything about it. And I expect this to be very, very good indeed. They've done the big promo sell on last week's show, which almost functioned like a go-home. We're getting two go-home shows. Mm. There's one match in particular that I think will go really quite long. And it's quite an interesting twist on the go-home shows that... AEW tend to do, which are they've already done the promo big sales, so they tend to go really flat with it. They do either non-canon developments 
um, that don't really pertain to the pay-per-view or they just put certain wrestlers who are in upcoming matches and then they win those matches and then they cut a little promo and it's all very contrived and here's what you can get on the pay-per-view so mm-hmm. here it is on TV um, I just feel like the Casino Battle Royale um, should add a different dimension with actual stakes and drama uh, I think we're going to get two go-home shows for the price of one effectively including um, last week's show but before we actually get into the um, the meat of the actual show on paper, this is going to be Tony Khan's big, huge announcement, which in typical fashion, he has completely sold with a lot of conviction, whether mm. it's misplaced or in fact not. He has compared it to try and deduce what this is um, to the first dance, which it's not going to be anywhere near as good as the first dance, because <laughs> the first dance was legitimately one of the best things that's ever happened in pro wrestling in terms of the viral marketing campaign. Now, the execution matched everyone's wildly optimistic um, projections of what it, what it might be, which we were encouraged to do. Mm. So that was a venue announcement, in effect, but for a very incredible reason. I, th- there's simply not a debut as big as CM Punk's, no. so it's not going to be that. He's even... I mean, unless he's got some cool Steve Austin. Yeah. <laughs> that would be a turn up. Imagine that. That would be incredible. But yeah, it's absolutely not happening. So it's not going to be a CM Punk size debut. Um, it doesn't feel like it's going to be um, a debut at all. Um, it feels like more of an event, but we've had talk of the finally hitting the West Coast. That was announced. What's it going to be? What on earth is it going to be? We've done a long-form discussion, we should point mm-hmm. out, so let's not go over all of the same ground. Um, if you just search Toby Khan, huge announcement on ACAS, Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts from, you'll be able to listen to that. Um, then do it now, otherwise it'll be well out of date. <laughs> uh, so what, what is it going to be? Cesaro. No, not right. Um, it's... So the, the comparison to the first dance, I think, is his attempt. He gets these wrong all the time. Like, even when you want to be kind to the promotional moxie of a wrestling promoter, he gets this to the Christian thing. He got wrong. It wasn't that he didn't have something cool to show us all, but the way he just expressed that was all wrong. And I think the comparison to the first dance might be that he's wanting us not to think of a debut as big as CM Punk, because as you've pointed out, there isn't, there isn't one. Um, or to even think of something that is... Both IRL and kayfabe momentous, which is what CM Punk's debut is. I, like, I, I worry that that's the direction that he sent people in. I don't think it's any of these things. I think the element of the first dance, what he's aiming for, is how momentous it was, is how landscape-shifting it felt. And I think what he's... Uh, it's obviously what I'm building to is a uh, pack returning. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's here. Like, Jake uh, Hager and an empty arena, man. I feel like I've just turned this into a series of digs, but this is the problem. He gets this sort of stuff wrong. Landscape-shifting stuff is... Um, International tours, which is boring because it's an international podcast and that doesn't matter to our American listeners, but they still never toured the UK. International tours, for example, that would be landscape shifting because who else has attempted a full-scale international tour that wasn't an embarrassing failure, five-star, to compete with WWE in the UK? They're one of their like, other biggest markets, or Canada, for example. You get pissed on for that. Uh, yeah, there's a good chance you're going to get pissed on because he, he gets this stuff wrong. Landscape shifting, and this is where I think this is going, by the way, is the network, the streaming service, the whatever it is they end up calling it because it is both a product that I think people want and at three years old, AW now, there's a lot of fans that will be jonesing for another way to indulge in 
like getting their AW fix with history of Dynamite, Rampage, being the elite, Sammy's vlog, whatever it is, they can load onto it. Um, but if you load in the potential purchase of Ring of Honor, or at very least Ring of Honor's back catalogue, the things that currently matter about Ring of Honor, if you load in the possible agreement with PWG to be able to get a load of that archive footage, because so much of that you know, is in AEW's DNA with the Young Bucks and the like, basically anything that they can pull together for this streaming service, it's not just our streaming service that ships the landscape, it's the idea that AEW as they've tried to be all along, are also stewards and custodians of professional wrestling history. And here's the other side of that. Yes, you can spend your 9.99 on that version of history. You can also spend your 9.99 version on ours. And it's yet something else that stokes up a bit of a rivalry that, like, we can all talk about the positivity trolls that are like, just watch everything. It's not how capitalism works. Like, these companies kind of want a little bit of that push and pull as well for their own sort of business drivers. I think it's that... How that'll land with people, I don't know, but it's that sense of a shifting landscape and the tectonic plates moving again is, I think, what he was maybe getting at with the first dance comparison. I, like, I think. Could yeah. be proved wrong, and maybe he has got a debut in his back pocket. Yeah, the but, comparison, you know. a comparison to how momentous it is without being anywhere near the same thing as the first dance is probably the rabbit hole down which to go um, on that basis. Maybe we've again we've discussed this, but an AEWX New Japan Pro Wrestling Super Show was yeah. maybe the very first match announced for it. Imagine if like they do that, and you're like, oh, well, it could still be like remember ROH New Japan War of the Worlds, yeah. very cool but very politically motivated. You mm. didn't really get these incredible like cross brand matches, so that will always hang in the head of people hang heavy in the titty <laughs> the fans who were like alright this is good but okay, yeah, yeah. I could miss it so maybe like Danielson versus Tanahashi on a graphic and more January 5th 2023 Omega Ricardo yes for example something that like like the first dance you're showing people a venue a place and a thing yeah. and it's something for pro wrestling fans to absolutely lose their minds over yeah absolutely I had something in the top of my head that I'd not actually previously discussed on the long form podcast and it has completely fallen out of my head when you were talking I hope I remember this <laughs> but yeah it has to be huge basically it absolutely has to be huge I can't really see it being huge um, but then he's wrong footed as before mm-hmm. even though he has previous this is going to piss me off I'm going to kill this podcast for the next minute before I forget what Daniel Santanahashi adjacent no, it was something completely different. Like, I just basically had a master stroke. <laughs> that Simpsons um, thing, when Homer's in financial troubles, and he's got something in the palm of his hand. Yeah. And it's the best invention ever. And he's like, oh, I forgot what it is. Tell me what it is. Oh, man. The Great Lost Theory. It's basically a... Tenacious Day tribute. <laughs> <laughs> I've just completely forgotten. On a preview part. We'll do some... It's uh... not venue. It's not signing. It's not streaming service. It's not super show. It's not uh, ROH. I'm telling you, there was something that popped into my head that was genius, and now it's completely gone. I'm so annoyed by myself. It's that Bill Murray thing as well. When that's what happens tonight, and then you say on the podcast, I actually called us on the preview, but I couldn't remember what the thing was. And when Bill Murray bumps into people and he says, and no one will ever believe you, yeah. that's going to be a thing. I mean, we'll be oh, yeah, it's a Jimmy Reckon situation. Oh, for God's sake. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, let's uh, get back to my nudes. I will cover for my uh, procrastination. Try, I'm trying. Right, okay. Let's get my nudes. I'm just going to do a Meltzer impression <laughs> to try and fill the dead air and somehow get a pop. You got one. Without exposing my games. You rampage wrapped me there. <laughs> <laughs> this is my nudes. Um, so, 
Casino Battle Royale, who advances to revolution? I always, always, always overestimate my own head the quality of the Battle Royale genre and AEW's version of them, which has been incredibly uneven. I think this is going to be better than both Royal Rumble matches put together, but it actually might not be. There's so much scope to do incredible stuff here. You can do some overlap with the inner circle. You can build a match with Chris Jericho and Eddie Kingston. You can do more stuff that suggests a rift between Private Party and Matt Hardy, though that wouldn't make sense given this trios match we're going to get at Revolution. Um, what you can do is tell a lot of overlapping stories um, with some incredible action in between there. And you've got the ability now to have this incredible tag team roster interact with itself to its full potential, no offence, gun club in the heat of the match when it eventually gets to it. My idea for how they should book this, and I'll get yours imminently, is at some point, Adam Cole and Red Dragon, as heels, are gonna fight some iteration of the elite. With that in mind, AEW, who love a saga, who love a slow burn, I think the play here is to put the young books in very early. Borrow one of the best WWE tricks. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the best ones are still worth absolutely ripping off like the genre itself, for example. The Young Bucks start very, very early, maybe even number one, with the idea being that they could put on a a half an hour potential showcase performance in which they are dicks at first when they realise they're in trouble to start to actually fight and work like baby faces and you get a fabulous glimpse of how great they are in that role as well. Um, with the idea being they're going to turn face soon and... It's, an, it's again, it's another classic wrestling trick. You put them in a match in which they can display their heroics, then people will start to receive them as heroes. Mm. It's all very simple. Um, there's potential here for them to do that. And then when you get to um, FTR at the end, which is how I think the final two should go, you could do something again. I've got these wild projections of how great this match could be. It never usually happens. But they could do, was it the Royal Rumble 2007? With the Taker, Michael's finale, yeah. where it's just... A ten-minute match. Where it's just yeah. incredible. You could do that with FTR and the Young Bucks here. Mm. And I'm not really nailed on the master of who goes over because we've got ideas about the pros and cons of the Young Bucks being the winners and not being the winners. But they could do Bucks versus um, FTR for the final ten minutes um, in a match within a match. That could be incredible. But if they are going this route where the Young Bucks are slowly going to turn face, and this is the very first glimpse of that, my personal fantasy booking would not only be that FTR sequence at the end not only starting very early so they have to just fight and do it honorably as well another thing that i think aw haven't done anywhere near enough of is explore the chemistry between matt and nick jackson and evil Uno and Stu grayson who've had some absolutely mm. incredible battles over the years and they've never really they've had one match on dynamite during the pandemic which wasn't great they didn't really explore it in the survivor series match uh, that hangman page lost um i'd like to see them work loads of sequences together because they're always the tits and tits matches get people over and they want to get over as baby faces albeit on a slow basis I've rabbited on about my own projection of what the match should be who do you think wins it? I've lost interest in my own fantasy booking so I think the Young Bucks win um, last week I was all big into the idea that Red Dragon were going to win the first chapter of this attempt to build this fairly contrived three-way but that the Young Bucks involvement in it and indeed the match's existence was kind of a red herring and uh, a um, a top flight was the, was the example I gave that could exist as the, the joker of this casino it's like in a tag team one is it just you get the last spot is that what being the Joker is in the in the tag one? I was there a Joker at Revolution. I honestly can't remember. I don't think there was, but now that we're on the subject, I think they should do at least one. 
Battle Royale or Face the Revolution ladder match in which there isn't a Joker. Mm. Not only is it a pretty hefty precedent to set, you're going to get a hot new signing four times a year. I mean, yeah. we get one like 16 times a year at this point. Um, I think they should quietly abandon it as a thing that happens all of the time. Otherwise, I've had loads of people in my replies um, asking who the Joker's going to be. Mm. They've created an expectation where everyone thinks as soon as this match, and they've done it all of the time, so of course people are going to ask about this. But I'm not necessarily thinking there's going to be a Joker. One, they've not hyped it. The tag all. one didn't have suits. So that, it, yeah, the tag just, one just had tags entering, didn't it? Yeah, so, yeah. so it didn't have the same gimmick. Uh, but they've done Jokers for the ladder matches as well, which also weirdly staggered as well in a way that I don't like, but that's by the by. I think it's time now to just abandon the concept. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. So that people just don't think they're going to get one every time. I think it's a decent marketing thing to do. Otherwise, you create an expectation that can't be met. But sorry, I interrupted you a bit flow. No, it's okay because, well, I mean, that's obviously a key element to this because with there being a joker or not could dictate how obvious this becomes. Because I love the idea of the Young Bucks going long as well. I've had way more investment in the Young Bucks as an act since the Hangman Page Kenny Omega match because that was the kickstart of their babyface turn or at very least like a sort of a unique wrinkle in their characters. It like... It shattered some of the like over the top ludicrous heel 
rich boys machinations that had defined the run before that point. Yeah. It definitely softened them a little bit. And I'd like to see the in-ring continuation of that now that we, you know, to be fair, since, um, was it Matt or Nick that had COVID? They've not really had many opportunities both to, them had both it, them so had it. So like, they've not had a lot of opportunities to like give their physical best yet. And I think they will over like a long stint in this match. Again, like the old rumble tricks still work. They always work. Um, I love that idea of the FTR sequence at the end, by the way, because that would be the second time they've been able to like effectively promote the Young Bucks versus FTR without actually doing it. The yeah. first time being on Hangman Page grabbed the leg, yeah. it was like, oh, we're going to get it. And then they actually took it away without having to promote it as a straight-up match. A joker picture had, um, which is certainly not mine, or if it is mine, it's everybody else's too, is the Briscoes. Um, not to sign for AEW, but to just get in the business of FTR and somehow cost them a place in it like there's that really hot um, Ring of Honor angle that was built up that has thus far gone nowhere but we are coming to Wrestlemania weekend where there's going to be a Ring of Honor show it would be a nice way for there to be an AW overlap without AW directly as they always said they wouldn't like involving they themselves last year so it's fine did they, I can't remember did they involve themselves they in the house always wins as a house show in Daly's place like, and the reason why they did it was they thought they'd get a strong house uh-huh. because of the Oh, I forgot about that. I forgot about that, yeah. But, like, so, well, yeah, then, so that, like, any kind of overlap over WrestleMania weekend that might take an odd headline, you could have that match on that Ring of Honor show. You know, now that Ring of Honor's in India again, it's the, probably the best time and place for Briscoe's versus, uh, versus FTR. So that maybe takes them out of that match. If that occurs, then I genuinely could see the Young Bucks being, like, inadvertently eliminated as a result of something to do with Red Dragon or something to do with Adam Cole to further that without putting the Young Bucks in the match and then you throw in a babyface team. I still think it's going to be the Young Bucks. And just one other last observation on this, because I know we've gone long on it, but I guess the match itself will go along. It's kind of, it should theoretically dominate this dynamite. Um, a, a problem I had with the Battle Royal last week um, was the... The haves and the have-nots was way too obvious. And worse, proud and powerful were in the have-nots. And the whole point of that inner circle dissolution or Chris Jericho like kind of negging them was for them to then prove him wrong. And they chased a meme and got chucked out. Yeah. Like they didn't prove him wrong at all. If anything, it was like, oh, you need to go the back to The thing was cool. It was all right. Yeah, but like you, you need to go back to Chris Jericho. They, they weren't, yeah. you know, they weren't kind of considered as potential winners when we were all talking about that like that that upper tier of teams in that match I'd like to see because these are going to be random drawings be a bit less transparent about it like scatter the the obvious favourites through this in a different way than you did last week so that I don't need to just abandon the first half of the match the Young Bucks going along is probably the solution to that but yeah I'd like to feel like it's funny you mentioned like Uno and Grayson I want to feel like other teams have more of a chance because Otherwise, this whole thing has been way too obvious a contrivance to get to the triple, the to get to the three-way at the paper. As soon as it started, everyone just sort of, oh, well, they're doing the piggybacking elite melodrama onto the Jurassic mm. Express tag team title reign. So, yeah, I would like to be wrong-footed. You'll get a class match even if you don't get wrong-footed, but it's all a bit reverse-engineered and obvious. Where are the rankings at this point as well? Because obviously, by having two number one contenders matches, the rankings have been abandoned. But without me checking in front of me now, I couldn't tell you who were doing well in that top FTR five. Are in there, Darby and Sting should be not in this match, but they should be up there as well. They've had matches. Yeah, um, yeah I don't know. The other, if it's not the Young Bucks, it could be FTR. Um, the Young Bucks, as we fantasy booked last week, could second Adam Cole because they've got no reason not to, mm-hmm. where they did have a reason at All Out 2019. And I feel like the nod to Hangman Page is always going to get paid off. And yeah. It's going to get paid off here. 
there's lots of drama, even if it's only really centered around, I would say, two teams at best mm. at this point. Um, in two matches that are set to tease key matches at Revolution, uh, the first of which is um, Adam Cole and Red Dragon taking on Hangman Page, um, Silver and Reynolds. It's a very New Japan Rule 2 um, trios match as a means of sort of teasing what you're going to get at the pay-per-view to theoretically like encourage you to part your cash. Uh, there's a few ways, of course, they could book this. They could have a designated jobber. Uh, <laughs> they could have Page taking a win, uh, sorry, taking a fall um, by the last shot because I think at this point there is a danger that the main event doesn't really feel like the one that's actually driving people yeah. to pay um, for this pay-per-view and be interested in it. There's lots of ways they can go. I will ask for yours um, imminently. But in what might be either an indictment of the main event of Revolution, which I have think they've done a better job of of the last um, in the last however many weeks. So I'm kind of more excited to see John Silver and Kyle O'Reilly like <laughs> incredibly fast, hard-hitting stuff, like in a sort of whirlwind of activity, than I am finally seeing Paige and Cole sort of through hands. Mm. They, they have an opportunity to make that feel elusive, to make it feel like Adam Gould's a very slippery customer who's crafty enough to have Paige's number. They kind of need to sell me on it tonight. And I suppose that's why the match exists. Yeah, it's, I cannot pick a winner here because I was trying to think of finishing sequences where everybody got what they needed. We're just days away from a pay-per-view where, okay, so theoretically Adam Cole... Like, ideally, you don't want Adam Cole losing. A lot of people had issues with him losing Orange Cassidy and remaining in contention. So he can't really lose. Um, Red Dragon, uh, the bankers, like they're already in the tag title match. So having them get defeated is a little bit WWE, isn't it? It's, it's like they're, they're competing for the tag battles and they're losing just days before. Yeah, Alex Reynolds is probably going to lose. It, it, he, like, it, Silver or Reynolds feels like the designated jobber and Silver's more, the more over the two. So then it kind of falls onto Alex Reynolds. But you kind of made the point at the start here. We're kind of opening up with, well, like how do we preserve... Page and Cole you don't do you want either of them to look particularly weak I don't think you do but only because I think the match already feels weak I think in a way you've got to protect both them being strong and something that feels to me like it's been one of the huge focuses of this programme has been the power of the bookshop so when you mentioned Adam Cole as a slippery customer I immediately thought of Adam Cole being lined up to be hit with the bookshop slipping underneath it but then Page still connecting with let's say Kyle O'Reilly or Bobby Fish. It doesn't result in the finish, but that guy at that point is dead and he is absolutely out of the match. Cole slips underneath that. The brawl continues and eventually he nails uh, Reynolds with a super kick and Cole gets his win, but we've seen that the book shot is absolutely a death blow. Adam Cole absolutely should be afraid of it. Page, I'm doing it again, stands tall. There's too many ways in which this can end in a bit of a WWE, everybody needs to be serviced. Maybe I'm not giving AEW enough credit. Maybe they do, maybe they do lean in one way specifically and like cast doubt on one of these Adams. If I had to guess at one of them, I would say... Adam Cole is the one permitted to look the more dominant of the two because the one, and it could be crucial, but Adam Cole's proven us wrong before, the one crucial thing this feels like it's lacking at the moment is any doubt over the winner. Maybe you, maybe you try, and it's in vain, I think, but maybe you try and establish that. I guess so, yeah. Um, I'm hyped for the match, but the key dynamic is not the main event, uh, which I think is an indictment of the main event. If you look at the, the timeline, Paige won that title in November. AEW books its champions, face, heel, whatever, to be incredibly dominant, um, to win every match they have. They don't pin the champions ordinarily for no reason until a certain point in time. Mm. Um, Kenny Omega did a job to Christian Cage really deep into his reign. Um, 
Chris Jericho did a job to Scorpio Sky, not quite as deep into the rain. It was a great. We never way lost. To beat him. So it felt deep, didn't it? Because he never lost in AW history. And yeah. that was, uh, like the... So, circling back, November to what is now March, if you look at the calendar, and I know Page has only had three matches, but like the amount of minutes spent, all the rest of it. Maybe now is the time where it's like you can probably take a loss in a match like this. Mm. It's potentially a bit WWE, but maybe they need some last desperate thing. Hangman Page is so intelligent with what he does that I just can't see this not being an unqualified success in a way that I can't anticipate. Mm. Um, he's just simply too clever at what he does. What he got out of Archer as a challenger and how he extracted doubt, a different kind of doubt to what people thought possible, yeah. might I add, makes me think they're going to do something incredibly clever with this match. Um, along similar lines, um, just announced before we started recording, um, Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter are set to take on Dunder Rosa and Mercedes Martinez, which um, similarly is going to um, tease out um, Baker, uh, conflict between Baker and Rosa. I've got high expectations for this match, even though Mercedes Martinez has done a bit of a Ruby Soho for me, where it's like she comes equipped with this huge reputation, we've seen glimpses of it in WWE, but not quite enough, enough to think, oh, well, WWE watch everyone. Yeah, yeah. The problem must be the company, not the performer. And then you realise, well, maybe it's actually a bit of both. So I'm not as high on the potential quality of the match, but I do love how they finally opened up um, a wish version of deft dovetailing booking <laughs> compared to the Amazon that is the men's division. But no, I appreciate the endeavour. There's lots of dramatic ramifications um, ahead of and beyond um, Revolution here, particularly on the heel side. Match quality-wise, again... I love watching Jamie Hayter, but she's very raw. Mercedes Martinez hasn't really lived up to the reputation yet. I think all of the interest here is in Dunder Rosa versus Britt Baker and their exchanges. Happily, they have loads and loads of like intense, fiery physical chemistry. So I think this will land without being a great blow-away match, but it's not meant to be a blow-away match. It's meant to um, create anticipation for what they hope will be a blow-away match at the pave. I expect Baker and Hayter miscommunications to both get Thunder Rosa over by pinning Hater to present her as someone who's going to conceivably win the title at the Revolution pay-per-view um, and set up Britt Baker's next programme beyond it. Is it as simple as that? I think it is, but I don't think that should detract from the quality. Yeah. Um, it feels like the way we've got to go. This It always felt like it was going to be this tag match or a singles variant of it to build. After once you had the contract signing announced for Rampage, felt like it could only go this way. Um, yeah, the comparison to the men's division is apt because this has been a slightly inferior Trojan horse for the Baker hater split like akin to what's happening with CM Punk MJF and Wardlow so you're getting the kind of slightly inferior version of it but the one thing I still can't figure out and maybe I want to be shown that from this match tonight and because it's Britt Baker this is what makes it so it shouldn't be complicated but it kind of makes it complicated the hater and Baker split because Baker has worked entirely as a heel and has remained heel in spite of the re- incredible responses she gets. She's sent out there to um, cheat on behalf of like the people she's with or have people cheat for her or do the, um, the Cobra Kai stuff where she's absolutely the, the villain of the piece. The week where she'd cut the promo on the local sports team. Like, uh, like cartoon villainy, but villainy all the yeah. same. It's made the hater split tricky because... Who's the babyface when that happens? Hater. Which no, is, sorry, Baker, a million percent. Well, yes, she's the babyface because fans love her. But if you think of the narrative, mm. Hater's kind of been the, like, she's coming as the muscle, but you'd be sick of Britt Baker too. You'd be the one rolling your eyes going, oh, I don't want to do the DMD. Rebel does the DMD. She's the lackey. 
I've like I've got sort of gumption of my own here. I should be here for my own reasons, not just for carrying Britt Baker's backs. So I think they've got to, I don't know. Like they've got to make this finish feel like when Baker loses the title to Thunder Rosa, which we all assume she will, and should at the pay-per-view, how then does whatever happens here feed into a finish where Baker's the babyface on like after the fact? Do you know what I mean? I I like I just think that it looks more like a turn for Hater to turn on Baker to finally get away from whatever hold that Britt Baker has had over Jamie Hater. You know, this is, it's not quite master and slave in the same vein that MJF is paying Wardlow's bills, but she is there. She's Baker's running buddy. So typically when the running buddy turns, it's like they've had enough of the, of the overlord. And I just, I need this match to go a certain way that reminds me that, well, it's because everybody, us, the buildings, everybody goes nuts for Britt Baker. So when that, like when that split happens, I guess what I'm saying is I don't want Baker to be some sort of cheating coward when, like, Hater's going to get pinned. Like, if they just do the thing where Baker waves it off and says to Rebel, like, not tonight, leave her. Which you could visualise, couldn't you? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, well, like, she can handle this one on her own. Let's just get out of him. My knee's sore and I've got a big match. And, and then Mercedes and Thunder Rosa just, like, easily eat her up after that. Like, is your sympathy then not with Jamie Hater for being left abandoned by Britt Baker? Yeah. It's kind of been off since she won the belt. It's kind of been off completely. Nobody really wants to talk about it, do they? Yeah, it's been yeah. completely off since she's won the belt. I don't think they've done a good enough job. Like, I hate doing this, but I'm going to invoke Raw as a comparison <laughs> in a way that detracts from AEW. The the heft in Riddle versus Orton is that you've seen them be mates. Mm. quite enjoyed, even if you hate both people, their undeniable chemistry with one another. The idea being that it's going to be a little bit heartbreaking when Orton finally turns on Riddle. They've never done enough to make it seem like Hater and Baker have like a shared interior life where they are like on the road and all the rest of it. Rebel and Baker by comparison. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't feel anywhere near like that. It just feels like it's felt like a device all along. So I don't really have any emotional investment in it. I do like the um introduction of Martinez and Thunder Rosa to all of this, but again, it's just not quite as well thought out as the way that this company books men. But the way this company books men, when it books them incredibly well, leads us to the final talking point of this preview podcast. I'm going to give you the hospital pass. I've been give my thoughts before I go to yours. I have no thoughts on this. They are going to do something better than anything I can think of. How will CM Punk respond to MJF? I don't know. Um, there's a real magic in the air about this um, because what was already like an all-timer programme, not just for AEW, but for pro wrestling, was turned on its head yet again when we, understandably, I think, I don't want to dig it out too much, but saw the dog collar and thought, great, home straight stuff now. Bit of violence, um, bit of blood, bit of the old wrestling in, out, in, out, as it were, because like that's where we're on the way to now. And yet they've given us this at... Uh, it's not just how great the detail is and how cool the MJ... How things have turned. It's the timing that, at which they delivered it. We have... It's, I was going to say six days because WWE were in, but we've just got days now before the pay-per-view and CM Punk and MJF have one week left and he's just dropped, MJF has just dropped an atomic bomb on the whole thing. Absolutely tremendous. All I can think of is everything has always been about CM Punk winning the argument, having the last word, being that cut above and like all that experience, the experience that you can see in that picture because one guy's just been doing this much longer than that child means that Punk has always been able to win the day, you know, like as, as a baby face should, but in a way that's never felt overbearing. 
Um, and he couldn't win the day last week. So do they now follow that all the way through? What MJF was actually chasing was just the sense that he could win the day as a way to get in the head. Do they really? Does he really want to reveal now that it was a ruse by, for example, saying, got you, and then Wardlow puts him through a table? Was it worth it, or is it not better to actually wait this out and make Punk stare in his eyes along that dog collar on Sunday? You know, Is that not, is that not psychologically better for this monster that MJF is, this psychopath, is that not better for him to have that advantage rather than, ah, 1-0, but now all Punk's selling is a bad back from, yeah. the, from the table. Bump on the way. Like, that would still, like, I understand why, the, why they could do that, but this angle just feels better. This angle feels like every time that you've thought, right, things are simplifying or it's going to go this way, it goes a completely different way and it goes a way more complex way. Than, and that's before the MJF promo as well. So the only thing I could think of when you've posed this question in our prep notes and I, I still can't fantasy book how we arrive at it. This, this is the Colt Cabana week. This is CM Punk coming out saying like, I've got apologies to make in my life. And I knew that when I came back to AEW. And then it's all building to like theoretically apologizing to MJF and CM Punk instead apologizing to Colt Cabana. And something like that and saying like, I want to apologize to Colt Cabana and I want to sort of, there's this elephant in the room and you know, MJF thought, a lot of people thought MJF was going to go one way into my past and he's gone a completely different yeah. way, but I've got these demons in my own Maxwell. It's nothing to do with a dog collar match we're going to have. There's a conversation for another day that me and you can have over your past, but I won't that let it affect what's going to happen to us on Sunday when we're chained to each other or something like that. And he's addressing a demon from his own past as a way to, not to necessarily one-up MJF, but to say, like, I understand where you're coming from and I want to slay these demons too. We'll have a fight, then we'll have a talk. And maybe then it almost volleys it back to MJF. Were you, were you sincere? Is this true yeah. or not? Were you just using this as a, as a, as a neg, as a dig? Or something along those lines. How else does Punk possibly... Like, I'm, I can't believe I'm using these words, but I mean them. How else does he regain the momentum? Yeah, no. I've got absolutely no idea what they're going to do with this. What an incredible twist it was last week. Um, in a way, my old wrestling head just wants... MGF to say, ah, oh no, yeah. let's take the piss the whole time, I'm going to brutalise you, and then you get the CM Punk, who just feels so much more rote. Tape, taped ribs are not as captivating as uh, CM Punk walking out there with doubt in his eyes. Yeah, absolutely. Like absolutely. Because the way I can see it happening with my stupid WWE brain, that company has been so bad for so long that it infects everything, is that if they don't do some kind of... Oh, like recalibration of the dynamic tonight and it sort of CM Punk cuts this incredibly heartfelt promo which he's plagued by doubt and he's sort of saying I'm gonna I'm still gonna fight but I don't know how much I'm gonna enjoy it or it's something I have to do more than something I want to do yeah. or something like that you can really look, lay his soul there about like the fan experience that he's had you can maybe call MGF the fan at the airport, someone who wants his picture, but he's just going to sell it. Someone who. What about if he, off the back of the picture, he offers him the handshake? You know, off the back of the Brian picture. Yeah. Maxwell coming out and he offers him the hand. And now MGF's got to have that moment. Do, do I show my hand here? Do I reveal what? Or do I shake his hand and try and stick with him? Yeah. But my yeah. worry is that they don't do that and it just sort of, there's more ambiguity heading to the pay per view. My stupid head that is so. That's such a lack of trust in AEW to this day because that is such a key problem with WWE's monopoly. And I, I'm suddenly thinking, are oh, they going to do some Why Am I So Violent? Or, 
edge style to in a turmoil over whether or not I actually really hurt MGF or not. Yeah. These people are so much better than that. And yet that's where my stupid mind goes because it's been polluted by WWE. Look, you've got no idea, I've got no idea, nobody listening has got that idea. The whole point is all our, all of our dear ideas will be stupid, but each and every one of you see, there it is again. There it is again. Each and every one of you are absolutely along for this ride. They're not is there a way to dress up a cop out? Is there a way to have uh, Tony Schiavone or somebody? Yeah, Tony Schiavone would be great because this is the one time that he's going to be nice to MJF. But where you have studio brief studio interviews with each man and they say very little and it's all see a Sunday punk, see a Sunday Maxwell, and that's it. And there's no live crowd interaction. There's no big angle. There's no... Nothing is particularly resolved, but nothing is particularly left hanging. Yeah, is, there, is there a way to dress it up? You know, I'm not saying like here's a video package. They're not in Jacksonville tonight because they're preparing, but you know, like something that feels like you're still getting a bit of this program. Yeah. It's the hottest thing on the show, so it's hard. Like it's, it'll be noticeable by his absence if it's not featured. I don't think I've ever been so clueless about mm. what to expect from an AEW thing. It's almost like I couldn't write the first ten seconds of Relationship of Command. So I'm write the next chapter of this pro wrestling. It's so above my comprehension, my abilities, and all the rest of it. So I'm just going to leave it there. Um, we're obviously very interested in mm. what you think um, is going to happen. Have you ever tasted skin? Yeah. <laughs> like we're interested in all opinions. They're all be completely wrong, and theirs will be much better. But give them to us nonetheless on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE, uh, where you can also follow Michael Hamflet at Michael Hamflet, and you can follow me at M Sidrick. Once again, where all can be found at WhatCultureWWE. Don't make, uh, don't forget. Sorry. To um, Jesus Christ, Adam Wilborn is such a professional. How does he do the end? How does he Just do the end? I, I, I spent like a year or two or three at this point, nailing the intro in his absence. I'll never get the outro right. Uh, we'll see you soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at fifty dollars, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.